Hello, I'm Frederick Gerten. I'm the filmmaker. And I'm Leilani Farha. I'm the advocate. So welcome back to Pushback Talks. And this is what we do. Apparently. It's, it, it's like it's kind of a, getting to be a, a habit. And today we have a title. It's called Corruption, the New Normal. So what have you been doing the other days? We've been talking about monsters. A lot of monsters. We started our podcast, you'll recall, Frederick, talking about the monster that has invaded cities around the world and really changed the way housing looks. We're talking about private equity firms and big capital asset management companies uh, and the way they've uh, really affected people's ability to live in their homes in cities. Uh, We turned then to talk about why are people so angry in our second episode. People around the world have been taking to the streets and protesting, whether in Chile or Hong Kong, and uh, with very similar concerns. And uh, there's a lot of anger out there, and there should be. Also, a little bit of an understanding of why people have the right to be so angry in the United States of America right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and then, then we, yeah, no, you go, you go. No, no, what did no, we talk I mean, about next? Yeah, no, we talked about Airbnb. We did. Airbnb, the people who, I mean, the, this little app that suddenly is worth $40 billion, uh, which we can love and hate. Uh, <laughs> That's right. And, it's, and, and we and listen to it because there's a lot of news coming out about cities fighting back to to the Airbnb system. That's right. And it's such an important moment. We can do it now. We can push back now. Yeah, we can. And push, talking about push. So I'm the filmmaker of of the documentary film Push, and Leilani Farah is uh, the main character of that film. And Leilani was the UN Special Rapporteur on Adequate Housing for six years, and she stepped down in May. And, And now you're the global director of The Shift, which is also really cool it is and so you're still you're still really i mean together we try to understand what's cooking out there what is what are the factors that are are creating stress for for us people living in cities and of course not only in cities also in the countryside yeah creating stress for for normal people yeah so today we're going to talk about something that we it's like this a gray thing out there. Mm. We don't really understand it. We know it's there. It's the corrupt money. Corruption, the new normal, which we could think that is something that happened way, way back. But obviously, and in, in the film, uh, we meet with uh, the Italian writer Roberto Saviano. It's a very interesting meeting in, in Milan with a lot of police protection because he uh, is under death threat since 12 years back after writing the book Gomorrah, where he kind of disclosed the the business model of the Camorra from uh, from Naples. Uh, and they, they didn't like that. They, they, they don't mind if he tells them how, how they kill people. Mm. But when he explains their business model, then that was exactly. really bad for their business. But anyway, he he explains in the film that the tax havens, they started up as like a place where the drug dealers, the, 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 the criminals could hide their money. And so for a long time, the tax havens was like a little alternative 
sector of the global finance. But today, he says, the tax havens are the new normal. So all the all all global companies have shell companies and and small companies in the tax havens and many tax havens. It's a very complex system. It's a way of uh, of uh, you know not paying tax. It's a way of moving profits around. So and of course a way of getting into different uh, countries and so on. But he also says in the tax haven, that's the meeting point. That's where the, the legal capitalism meet and merge with the illegal capitalism. Mm-hmm. And to understand that it's the illegal capitalism means drug dealers, uh, refugees, smugglers, uh, traffic and women and so on. So this is complicated. But Leilani, mm. how does all this affect the housing market <laughs> yeah. because you are the the global housing expert mm. so tell us how this affects the housing market super good question and and first thing i want to say frederick is i have to admit this area of corruption and money flowing around the world and landing in shell corporations and nameless this and faceless that to me it has a very male feeling i when i started to research and try to understand this area i felt like I was entering a very male world. It's not uh, complicated, actually. In some ways, it's not a complicated world, but it just had this very heavy masculine feel to it. So I think for a long time, I had discomfort to even talk about this because I'm just so separate from that world. That being said, we know that this has a huge impact on housing. And um, I think uh, I came up with a statistic. I read a statistic the other day that more than 80% of proceeds of corruption find their safe nest in real estate, 80%. So it's huge. So then I had to ask, you know, okay, well, what does that actually mean for everyday people? What does that mean? How is it affecting housing? And it is affecting in so many ways. First of all, these people with corrupt money are able to and want to put a huge amount of money in real estate, often willing to purchase way above the asking price. That is driving up the cost of housing in cities around the world. And they're, and they're paying this extra money because they're actually paying themselves. Yeah. So they have shell companies in different, uh, different tax havens. So they actually buy and sell to themselves in a way so they can enter with more money into a jurisdiction. That's, that's right. And, I mean, obviously escalating housing prices is a is a huge problem from a human rights point of view it's a huge problem uh, because housing should be affordable to everyday people Um, but it's also affecting you know I was taking a look at some of the cities that are most affected by this corrupt money and if you just look at them you can see a city when it's investor driven in terms of its construction so it's not created for people you're not creating communities what you're creating are vessels and that money gets poured into and so then you're losing Using that sense of community, you're having ghost towns, they call them, or ghost neighborhoods where no one is actually living there and it's just these empty shells for corrupt money. So both of those are pretty alarming from a housing point of view. Yeah. And and while shooting Push, we were in London and there we met a man called Arthur Doonan. He was, he is a former banker. He was like you know, working with foreign debt and, you know, he was like deep into the system, but he got really 
you know, fed up with how the banks worked. So he, he left and he started together with a friend, um, an NGO, and they organize what they call kleptocracy tours. So they walk around London and they point out houses uh, bought or purchased by, by kleptocrats. But let's listen to a little clip from the film just to get some, some sounds. So our fourth stop on the highlight tour of London kleptocracy properties these two properties are worth perhaps 20 million pounds each. I believe Mr. Tatter paid something in the region of 40 or 50 million pounds for it. If you could get a whole one of these, it would be 30 or 40 million pounds. And nobody lives here and nothing is happening to this thing. So it's become a dead spot in London. There was uh, news agents, there were pubs, there were a couple of restaurants, but the community itself has evaporated. Yeah, so I mean, in Knightsbridge, it's like it's a very, it's a classical uh, upper class neighborhood in London, mm. and suddenly, even the very rich Londoners were kicked out, yeah. and it was standing empty. Everything, it's it's kind of absurd. Mm. One of the one of the things that I've heard people in this area say is if you um, that you could track the hot spots in the world by tracking uh, who's buying what real estate in London. So, you know, something erupts in, uh, uh, you know, uh, the European Union, for example, even, and you'll start seeing all sorts of uh, money from France and other countries going into London's uh, real estate, you know, so it's pretty interesting that 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 um, real estate plays such a huge role in all of this. Yeah, so I like this this expression, kleptocrats. Mm -hmm. So it's basically aristocrats who steal, <laughs> isn't it? I guess yes. you know, kleptocrats. Yeah. It, it took me some time to pronounce it well, but is, I do it fine. You think I'm absolutely? You know, remember, I'm, I'm, yep, I'm s Swedish. Swedish. Yeah, Swedish. <laughs> <laughs> but you know you you talked about men so let me talk about the, the richest woman in Africa mm. uh, Isabel dos Santos she was the daughter of the former president of Angola she turned showed up to be the president of the the, the state owned oil company and suddenly she was extremely rich mm. and she did that by putting up with some friends and extra you know a company in dubai and suddenly there was a lot of money just flying out mm. but then you know the people helping her can you guess who they were the mainstream uh, banks lawyers yeah. uh, real estate agents <laughs> boston consulting group right. pwc kpmg uh. all with very small short uh, <laughs> boring names <laughs> But these are the ma the major accountant firms on right. the planet, and they are everywhere. And the reason that they are everywhere because they also have clients everywhere, so they can actually they know how to move money around, and how to suggest smart deals. Because if you steal a lot of money from your own people, of course you want to get it out, because otherwise you, there might be a revolution, and you will they will take the money back. Mm -hmm. So you. So that this is something all the kleptocrats have together is like in common is that they they want the money out. So and then the next step is of course to to get it 
you know, you get it out somewhere to like to to tax haven or like to Dubai or someplace. And the next step is to 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 set up an investment portfolio. Right. And then you enter into into a city like London, for mm. example. Mm. And I know you, you you've been I mean you've been around uh, also in the south. I mean yes. as a you and rapporteur, you were in Egypt, you have been to India and also to Nigeria mm. as on an official mission. So you have got some in-depth knowledge of these societies. Yeah, absolutely. So I know Nigeria was like a very strong experience for you. It, I, I mean, it's one. It's known as one of the most, um, you know, corrupt nations in the world with a lot of uh, money flowing out of it. Um, I read estimates that, you know, around $250 billion or, or more um, in illegal... Um, money had flow had you know um, been sent out of the country uh, into offshore tax havens, um, and you know that's bad enough. But visiting Nigeria, I mean, what one thing a lot of people don't know: it's the most populous uh, Black African nation uh, in the continent, and it's also the country in the world with the greatest number of people living in extreme poverty. That's like on a dollar and a quarter a day. And so it's so morally repugnant to think that there's billions of dollars leaving the country, corrupt money flowing through tax havens while the people are suffering. And I tell you, Frederick, the con- I mean, I've been all over the world. I've seen everything. And I... I can say quite honestly that what I witnessed in Nigeria were the worst conditions, period. Uh, even the informal settlements were worse than the than the worst informal settlement I'd ever been to. So, um, and then at the same time, you do see middle class or upper middle class neighborhoods, home after home after home that's been constructed and stands completely empty. I mean, it's outrageous, completely. It's like provocation it, because it, 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 it hits you in, and then knowing that a lot of this money is basically flying out because that's what we also learn about the kleptocrats when they they be when they've been able to steal money from their own country they really want to move it out but they also want to be enter into the game of making more money yeah and if you if you've been able to 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 get a building in london or you know you get into one of these big cities then you can go to the bank and then you can ask for an e-lock, you know, an equity line of credits. It's basically some kind of loan. Okay. It's almost like a credit card. And then you can, so, but this is only for the super rich. And, and as money is so cheap right now, they, you have property in London worth 20 million pounds. You go to this place and then you can get a loan with a 1% interest rate. It's even so strange that Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> uh, the Facebook guy, yep. he got a mortgage in 2012 on his house and, he, and got this, this interest raised. I mean, right. this guy, he's so fucking rich, but he still wanted to go to get a mortgage for his house because he actually makes money with that money. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a word uh, not really made for... It's so it's like upside down world, right? I mean, make it easier and easier and easier and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper for 
uber wealthy people to hide their money in real estate and get real estate, acquire real estate, and people who are really struggling, who really need a safe home, uh, and, and, and it would be their only home, are being prevented from purchasing, from renting, yeah. etc. So, so what does this, this energy of making more money do mm. to our cities? How do you see that? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I think it's having a negative impact. And I, it's part, it, part of what makes me so angry about all of this is, like, it's bad enough, you have these, like, a lot of this money is deeply criminal money. It is from human trafficking, it's from uh, selling narcotics, it's from selling weapons and arms uh, to terrorists. I mean, it's, it is, it is um, money that's derived from really doing harm to society and to other people and then it's being put into real estate in a way that creates further harm as i yeah. said by creating cities that are unlivable whether it's due to unaffordability or unlivable because we're not creating communities i mean when we were filming for push and when i i was with arthur and you and we were walking around and i mean to be in these neighborhoods, they're soulless, right? The pub is closing down. The, as he said, um, schools are closing down. I've been in in Vancouver in neighborhoods similar to that. Um, Vancouver and Toronto in Canada also have this issue of um, uh, a lot of corrupt money uh, being hidden uh, in real estate, and and it's it it those are our most expensive cities, so it's driving up the costs and it's creating these ghost like towns. Or yeah, areas, anyway. I think you know people who make a lot of money. Mm. Uh, even if you make it by 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 smuggling refugees or, or cocaine or heroin or whatever, I think they all of them want to also to be normal citizens. They also want to be more traditional mm. upper class. So you steal in one generation, and then later on you 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 want to be normal and. I, you know, I can see that, for example, I've been to Colombia several times. You can see, I mean, in Colombia, we don't really have the same cartel wars anymore mm. because I think the cartels are now into normal business. Right. So they don't really want to to destroy that business. So it's like it's it's matured, hmm. mature form of of, uh, of the criminals mm. when they move into to this to the real estate uh, world. Saviano he explains why London is so interesting. This yeah. is something we, I, I got from the, the shoot we did in Milan. Mm -hmm. It's not in the film, but let's listen to this little clip in Italian. I will, I will translate okay. it later on. Okay. Oggi, il paradiso fiscale più efficiente della Terra è Londra. È il paradiso fiscale più sicuro del mondo. Li investi in una città dove c'è una giustizia veloce, dove non hai ministri corrotti, dove non hai poliziotti corrotti. La forza del mercato immobiliare inglese è questo, un sistema finanziario corrottissimo e un sistema amministrativo e politico sano. Non, è mai, non è mai successo una cosa del genere nella storia. That was the beautiful Italian language. Mm -hmm. I really like to, to, to listen to it. Uh, basically say, if you, if, you, if you move your money into London, uh, you do it because... It's a very safe uh, court system, mm. but it's also a city with the most corrupted financial sector. So right. it's a, it is it's a, it's basically the the money laundering capital of the world, but with a 
with a corrupt financial system, but with a, a very trusted legal system. Right, right. The perfect conditions. Perfect conditions. The perfect yeah. conditions. So, that, so then you move in because then you're safe. Because if you're in your own country, mm. you know, if it's Angola or Azerbaijan or whatever, it is, there is always a risk that, that the courts can be corrupted and so on. Yes. And then you might lose your money or you might lose ah. your... So you go to a place where you can feel you can sit safer. Interesting. Uh, because of the, of the very protective and, and good legal system. And, and uh, that's, it's a little bit weird. And he says this is a condition that has never happened before in, in the history. So London is like a unique place in history in that sense wow. also. The interesting thing is, of course, why is the city like this? And, and uh, there is a, an organization called Transparency International, mm -hmm. which are like in many, many countries, mm -hmm. they work towards corruption. Yeah. And, and they really point out that the, the, the sector that we need to focus on are what they call the gatekeepers. Right. It's actually the guys who are helping these kleptocrats and the criminals to make their business. Sure. So then we have the accountant firms, we have the banks, we have the lawyers, we have the, you know, the real estate agents and tax, tax experts and, and so on and on and on. So this is like, this is like a big business mm -hmm. in London. And they're all benefiting. They're all benefiting. So the question is, how do you enable accountability who has to make sure that these gatekeepers as you called them are accountable right because they're yeah. i mean it's not in their interest to self-govern on this i don't think right am i wrong no no you're right and the problem is, is also that we know that from you know that people with most money also have more uh, political influence mm -hmm. so they are also the ones creating the, the talking points for the, right. the politicians right the talking points for the, the editorial uh, writers in the newspapers and so on. Yeah. So it's, it's, they are the ones telling, you know, fighting legislation that would be bad for their business. Mm. Because there is so much money floating around. Right. So imagine you can have a little cut of all that money. Exactly. And I, I do know that one of the reasons real estate is used for corrupt money flow is because it's one of the least regulated businesses in terms of all economic businesses or fiscal related businesses, real estate remains really quite hands off. Governments don't intervene. Uh, so it makes it a very nice place to hide money, use shell companies, etc. Mm. And, and yeah. you know, the real estate industry wants to self-regulate always. Well, it's not in their interest to self-regulate on this because they're making huge money. No, I actually in, in London also for push. I've interviewed uh, a man called Simon Farrell. He's the a Queen's Councillor. I love the title, <laughs> but it's some kind of judge, I guess. Yeah. And and he is focused on on uh, criminal money. Mm. So uh, he explains a little bit how it rolls. I would like to you to listen to this because it's interesting. Okay. London has rather ironically become the money laundering capital of the world. Um, we're a very attractive place people to put criminal money, particularly in residential property, which in London now is so expensive that most ordinary people from London can't afford to live here anymore. And I think it's really important when we talk about crime, what we mean. We're not talking about bank robbers or burglars. We're talking about highly wealthy individuals who've often obtained their money through corruption or bribery or tax fraud. 
um, on a pretty massive scale. Uh, and that money then comes to London and is used to buy uh, properties. So you've got your house in Kensington here that's um, now being sold for say 15 or 16 million pounds. Um, it's not actually that big a house in fact. Um, you'd be surprised how small it is. It's actually being bought by uh, a company in the British Virgin Islands. This company in the British Virgin Islands will be owned by another company in the Cayman Islands. But you often find there's a third vehicle in yet another jurisdiction, another tax haven, that owns the second company and the first company that owns the house. So, if you are looking at this um, from the outside, the first question is, who owns this property? And to find out who the human beings are behind the owner of this property is extremely difficult. And if you cycle along the Thames, as I do quite frequently, um, what you see now are acres and acres of flats all the way along the Thames, from Hammersmith right through the city. What you find is that most of those properties are owned by foreign owners, and a lot of them are empty. And there's no reason why corporations should really own houses, apart from the fact that there's a, a secrecy trying to be created. It's not just about who owns the property, but where did the money come from. The point is that the professionals in London themselves are setting up this arrangement for the very wealthy foreign person who comes here to buy this house. And all sorts of people benefit from that. Estate agents rub their hands with glee because they will be taking a percentage cut, of course, on these transactions. Lawyers, solicitors, professionals make very significant profits. So there's a, there's a sort of payout, if you like, well, there is a payout in the money laundering mm. capital of the world, London. That was Simon Farrell, a Queen's Councillor. I love that uh, clip. It's so he's so clear, and and what the listeners couldn't see because it's a it's a video clip, uh, is the way he uses these glasses of water or their empty glasses to show you exactly how far the how far away the ownership is from the actual money. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, we will put up this on YouTube later mm. on so people can watch us yeah. with our shitty backgrounds here. <laughs> in my <No>. bunker. <laughs> yeah, in, yeah, yeah. I mean, in our editing room here, it's nice. Anyway, so, and it's, it's, and I mean, he will, this is like a, an important judge in London. Yeah. He, and he was so upset. Yeah. You know, and so, criticizing yeah. his, his own. His own, his own people. Yeah, absolutely. Know? And I think that's, for me, this is like, it's key because when, you know, there have been all these Paradise Papers, the Panama Papers, yeah. and it's like, it's, it's all extremely exotic. It's like far away in Panama, Cayman, in Cayman Islands. Islands yeah. It's, it almost becomes a little bit romantic of this absolutely. big crooks. And it's like, it's, it's, uh, so it's, it's a different world. It's like a James Bond world in some way. Yeah. And, and, then we, it gets so distant from us. Absolutely. So like, yeah, let, let the rich have fun. I mean, I don't mind their yacht, you know. But we, what we have to understand is that they are playing around with their yachts, but they're also putting money into our cities and they are destroying the local markets. Absolutely. They're pumping up the values in a way so people can't, I mean, normal people can't be in the game anymore. 
I have a question for you, Frederick. Um, Simon Farrell uh, talks about this money and where it derives. And I wonder, um, based on your research and experience, is there a difference between, uh, let's say, Amazon or Facebook or Apple um, putting their money in a tax haven so that they can avoid paying corporate taxes and the money that criminals, you know, through whatever was selling of narcotics or arms or uh, trafficking in people when they are doing this money laundering sort of thing. Is there a difference? I mean, I know that that all money ends up circulating and becoming one, which makes this so difficult, right? So clean money and dirty money get mingled and it's hard to find to separate them. But I'm asking more, you know, is there a difference between, you know, the corporation that wants to avoid paying its corporate taxes and this criminal money? I I wish... I wish there was a big difference mm. because, I mean, I also in our Swedish companies like IKEA and others are also part of yeah. this. They also try to find ways not to pay taxes. Right. Uh, I mean, the, the the founder of IKEA, he lived in Switzerland himself. He had a little uh, percentage of all the money going to three uh, percent of all business going to account in Liechtenstein, and then there were headquarters where I mean the financial headquarters were in in Netherlands mm-hmm. because it, Netherlands is also some kind of tax haven. So they were doing it like like all do. Yeah. you know they yeah. were moving around their money, and they were probably quite early on it. When when we've been out with a film now, I normally ask the audience, "How? What do you know about criminal money in your town? Mm. The effect, and if you." I mean, in, if when I put that question in Moscow, the audience kind of said, they looked really sad and said, okay, we can't even differentiate between the government and the corrupt money. Uh, it's almost like the same. Right. They, they were like, they, it's like, it was so powerful. Wow. So powerful. And I mean, I was in Cyprus showing the film uh, where the, the rent, uh, the taxi driver, t- driver who took me from the airport, it was like, he, he had been paying 300 euros a month as a rent, mm. and two years later was 800. And on the highway going to, to town, it was luxury condos for sale right. with ads in Russian and Chinese. Right, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, when the, this money is laundered, mm-hmm. it becomes just money. Yeah. So then we don't know anymore. That's right. And, and this is happening all the time. And, and I mean, also here in, in the social democratic mm. Socialist Paradise Sweden, we have, the, you know, the big banks here have been involved in money laundering uh, from from Russian money through the Baltic states. Mm. So the Swedish banks have had their uh, business also over there and also in Ukraine. So there's been a lot of uh, disclosed. Also, the big Danish banks are, they're all, these are the banks that I use mm. or we use. I mean, it's like the, the, that the normal people have, but, but the business is so, so good. So you're, you're, like, you're like stupid if you don't right. do that, those deals, right. because you, it's like, what, should I stay out of this business? Everybody, all the other guys are doing it. Mm-hmm. I also want to do that's it. Right. You know, it's like, yeah. it, so it's, it's, so that, that's what, that's why we call this corruption the new normal, because it's like, it's more normal. Yes, I know there is a lot of, um, you know, the European Union, many governments are trying to. To, to get go after the, the corrupt money mm-hmm. and there is a lot of, th- of things happening yeah but I mean and the European Union or Union are setting up uh, the Europe European police is setting up mm. a new center for money laundering 
but they say that of 100% of the money coming in they uh, they can they can they can touch and take away 1.2%. Right. The rest wow. goes straight in. Wow. So it's 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 they, so they are they they grab some money, yeah. they stop some criminals, but most of the money goes straight in. And and I think we should be angry. I think we should be angry because uh, corruption is destroying democracy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, of, and you, as from your perspective, from the south, mm. uh, uh, no. we've seen it. How you know how poor people are suffering. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's no. That's right. There's and there's no way to look at it as anything. Like if you take that Nigerian example, there's no mm. way to look at it as anything but unjust. Period. Yeah. Right? It's just complete inequality. For, for and and for no benefit for the bulk of the people. No, and we have a lot of aid money going in from from your yeah. country, from my country, many countries towards Africa for development money. That's right. But the corrupt money going out yeah, is like right. hundred times bigger. You know, so that's it's, right. so if the corrupt money could stay, mm-hmm. you know, in Nigeria or in you know in all these countries, the people would be that would have been better off. Yeah, and the democracies have been would have been sounder. I think that's you know, right. Uh, so it's it's a it's kind of upsetting. I think for me, one of the worrisome things about this, when I'm looking forward, trying to figure out, okay, so like, I'm a, just a human rights lawyer, and you know, I'm really focused on housing. Like, what what does this mean for my work? And one of the things that is so difficult is what you touched on, which is the benefit to governments of keeping this system going. It seems that there's a lot of benefits at all levels. The local, Even local government gets involved in this, right? Uh, and so it's, and yet, for my work, it's governments who I need, I need governments to govern, I need them to pass legislation and impose legislation and enforce that legislation, and uh, ensure accountability. And so how, how do I do that, when governments actually are benefiting from this? I, I get almost like a small sense that, yes, they want to do they want the governments want to do something. Mm-hmm. But they don't want to go all the right. way in because because now the whole global trade model is going through the tax havens. Yeah. So they are afraid of of shaking the model. Yeah. So they they kind of accept the criminal money as a part of that. That's right. Uh, because they they don't want to shake it, mm. and that's that's a very scary thing. You mm-hmm. know, it's a. But I the only way. To, I mean, I would say if you. <laughs> If you can close borders like they've been doing now during the virus, uh, why don't you close the tax havens? Yeah, exactly. You know, but, you know. Close the borders so, for the money. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then they would they would call me naive. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. But that's our job to be uh, on the side of good and true. And maybe that's considered naive. Uh, but I'm thinking back to all the conversations I had with governments over the last six years when I was the rapporteur. Um and, you know, never did the issue, you know, we're talking about housing affordability, evictions, um, culture in communities, all of that stuff. Never, ever did the issue of corruption or corrupt money come up unless I raised it, of course. Uh, but the, it's viewed as c- 
even though it's having a tremendous impact on housing and, and, and neighborhoods and home, it is viewed as something quite separate outside. It's, you know, just part of how the financial world is organized kind of thing. Mm. So I've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> we, we have a lot of work to do. Yes. So you're the advocate. I'm the filmmaker. And the next time we have to turn around, you know, we, we have Maybe. to turn the tables. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Turn the tables. Let's see what and, comes. Uh, yeah. And if there is audience out there, we don't really know because we've just started. Uh, but if you listen to this, uh, please send us feedback. Mm-hmm. I mean, you find us on, on Twitter, um, on Instagram and on all the different. So tell us what you what, what you want to listen to and tell your friends about the podcast, because we believe that it's good to talk about things and try to understand things. And then it's easier to change. Absolutely. Uh, and it's, as we know, it's a, it's an unjust world. Uh, it's 36 degrees in Ottawa and it's 12 <laughs> degrees and raining in Malmo, Sweden. So uh, I'm excuse not going me. to see. Excuse me. I don't feel that it, it is unjust because in February it's going to be minus 40 where I live and it'll be plus yeah. five where you live. So in that okay. way, it all works out. I will go for a glass of wine somewhere. I I think. And that's a good thing. That sounds nice. You enjoy that, Frederick. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, see you soon and talk soon. Yep. Thanks. And if you want to watch the film, pushthefilm.com or you can also go to wgfilm.com and check out Leilani's work at maketheshift.org. See you soon. Thanks, Frederick.